2: Welcome to Got Invention Radio with your host, Brian Freed.
3: Welcome to Got Invention Radio. I'm your host, Brian Freed. And tonight, we're going to get some questions answered. Inventors, I'm sure you have many questions about how to ma- make your product and different things that you need to do and what type of materials that it needs to be made out of. Well, tonight, we're going to help you with those answers. We have Craig Stucco. He's from eWinward, LLC, joining us tonight. Welcome to the show, Craig.
4: Hi, how are you doing, Brian?
3: Doing fantastic. So are you going to help us out?
4: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay.
3: Sounds good. Before we get started, give you your uh, time to tell us who, who you are and what you're about.
4: Okay. Well, I'm Craig Stuco. I am the owner of eWinward LLC, and what we do is we basically do everything involving uh, product development. I, I guess I consider myself a project manager more than anything else. Uh, we can help people from the very beginning right to the very end. Uh, typically, we deal with inventors where they have an idea, no matter where they are along in the process, we can jump in. If they're at the beginning and they're working on the ca- cocktail napkin, we can we can get them going there, and then we can steer them along with materials and how to go about putting things together, who to deal with, where to get things made uh, Right down to packaging, production, overseas, local, the whole whole works.
3: Okay, that's not actually the very end. That's actually just the beginning.
4: Well, well, that's the end for me. Yep.
3: (laughs) Okay, and uh, and and that's what you're doing on a daily basis.
4: Yes, that that's what we do full time here.
3: Okay, so Craig, let me understand this then. I have an idea on a napkin that I come to you, and obviously there needs to be some kind of planning stage. So, forget about all the at at this point. Uh, you should be doing your due diligence before you speak to somebody like Craig, who's a product development person. So uh, you could do a patent search, right? So maybe do something like that. And I don't know so much, and this is, again, this is my opinion, but I don't know so much about getting a provisional patent or filing a full non-provisional patent. If you're in the early stages of planning, you're not sure exactly what you're patenting, and if it's going to work, it might not work, or it might work a completely different way. So this is part of the planning stage that's really uh, critical, right, Craig?
4: No, absolutely. And uh, you hit on a good point because often we'll come up with ideas for customers that they can actually use as part of that they want to put into their patent, or we can help them figure out what's best to make it patentable. So the whole idea, I think, is to jump up. If you, I, I guess the point would be getting to an NDA right away, which is a non-disclosure agreement. Okay. So we can cover people right away where we sign an agreement where whatever information that they're going to be... Showing to us is proprietary, and it's only shown to us for the purpose of helping them do business, and to help them, you know, help them patent or go to production or whatever it is they want, to, whatever step they want to take.
3: Okay, I know for a fact that inventors are very skeptical about uh, having somebody like yourself, or you know, working with drawings and, and working on our products uh, to make sure that you're not going to steal our idea. Uh, this is a very, very important part. But before we, before you even get to the stage of Signing a non-disclosure agreement. What do you think an inventor should do to find somebody that uh, that could help them at this point? Where can they find somebody, and what should they expect from them?
4: Well, well, that, that's that's a tough one because they, they have to. You have to trust somebody. That's you know, that's where having a piece of something written down on paper works out really well. But going to inventors' groups is is the quickest way to you know to meet other, speak to other inventors. That's because that's they're in the same boat as you, and they're looking to go in the same direction, and a lot of them have more experience, because some, you have first-time inventors, and you have five-time inventors, and the five-time inventors, you know, they kind of know who to talk to, who can be trusted, and who can't, so I'd actually recommend going to a group.
3: Okay, and what about if somebody's skeptic about, let's say, using you as a product development person, what would you do to make them feel comfortable? Do you have them call up some people that you work with? Do you have them, uh, you invite them into a shop to take a look at some of the products you've developed? I want the listeners out there to get an idea of what they need to do to find somebody to work with
4: oh yeah absolutely if if, if they if you can't be given like names of prior customers that can that say they trust you and they've done business with you then uh you know then it's pretty shady so that's the only way to go i would if you know someone asks you know craig can you give the names of people that you that i can speak to that have done business with you that like the way you do business they're comfortable with your course how you step things along and and go that route and if you and this is what i do for a living so from my side it's it's like it has to be this way because if I take advantage of any one customer, I'm not going to have any customers, and I'll have you know 10, 15 customers at any given time that I'm working on projects, and it's definitely not in my best interest to do it. But then to get the people that I do business with to recommend me, and if you're local, if you want to come meet people that do manufacturing with me or get involved in other aspects of, of the business, like maybe some electronics issues or whatever it is, prototyping, that that's easy to do. And we're all in the same boat. We work for the inventors, and it's in our best interest to keep them happy.
3: Okay, so... One way to find a a product person like yourself, a product uh, development person, is by going to uh, the inventors groups and trying to find – and on the front of Got Invention uh, website, there's the United Inventors Association banner uh, that actually connects you up to all the inventor groups in the country. So you can take a look at that. The United States Patent and Trademark Office, USPTO.gov, is their website they have a place that inventors can meet. And, of course, Inventors Digest magazine, inventorsdigest.com also has. uh, They're pretty much uh, the same, but you can choose any of those uh, resources to take a look and find. So that's a good point. Um, Now, when you say that you do from the start to the beginning, which the beginning for you is basically getting it up to the manufacturing stage. Right. uh, Now, inventors can find people that do specifically – different parts, let's say, of what you do. So you're acting almost as a conductor to basically take them through these steps so they don't have to necessarily search around for each step. Is that right?
4: Right. Yeah. It, that's where the project management comes in. It's like we can, you know, if we don't do it directly ourselves, there are people that we can steer you to. Like with prototyping especially, there's so many different methods of prototyping. It, it's We just source it out to the different prototypers who specialize in that particular field.
3: Okay. Understood. So uh, is there, uh, I think there's also thomasnet.com. Uh, that you could take a look and find people to do. And it, it depends really, inventors, it really depends on what type of product you have out there. Is it something completely uh, very simple or is it something very complicated? And then we're going to talk about all these different things on the in the planning stage and with uh, Craig. And we're also going to talk about um, different types of materials, and, and he's going to explain the different materials to us. We're also going to talk about prototyping machines, and how prototypes are actually made we'll talk about tooling and molding and what the differences are and also uh between the US and overseas we have a lot to cover uh, all the way up till what what he was speaking about which is packaging and actually shelf space to the uh to the retailer so and and one thing that we also brought up a little earlier Greg, when we were speaking was certifications of the materials which is also an important part
4: yes yes uh, isn't it yep Good. Okay, I'm
3: sorry so there's, uh, we, we have quite a bit uh, to go over, and I'd like to just focus a little bit more on the planning for, for the next few minutes. So, Craig. Yes. So I come up with this idea, and you're going to take it from the napkin, and now you're going to put it on the computer, right? right. You're going to put it on a drawing that all these different machines down the road that we're going to start using and, and, uh, and uh, different injection molding machines and all these things, they're going to require some kind of computer program of yes. your product.
4: Yep, they're going, to need, they're going to need electronic data. And what we do, what everyone does now is you take you take a sketch or whatever it is or, or a sample from the customer or whatever it is that they have, and we convert it into 3D data on the computer, where it actually exists three-dimensionally in the system, and then you can, you can check for interferences, you can see things that need to rotate. You can basically you see it, you make sure everything fits nicely, and rather, you know, this is the first step. You do this before you get to prototyping. That way you don't have to, you know, not, there's less iterations. So okay. you can really kind of fine-tune it
3: very interesting so when you were saying that 3d drawing it's also i remember seeing somebody use it also it has where you can figure out the tension how much how much force the the product can take also it's very interesting
4: oh it's it's gone a long way it's it's amazing in finite element analysis you can Check for stress and loads, and where things will break. It's it's interesting stuff.
3: Okay, so this is called the 3D drawing, otherwise known as a CAD drawing. Is that the most popular?
4: Yeah, CAD data or electronic data. CAD meaning computer aided design. So it's but it's basically electronically stored on a hard drive.
3: Okay, so what's the difference between uh, 2D and CAD drawing or 3D?
4: Oh, CAD drawing is uh, 3D is the real thing. You can actually, if you know what the material is, you can find out the weight. You know, you can do all kinds of things. If it's just a drawing. It's just a drawing. It's just you look at, you seeing a side view of the part, a top view of the part. So you have to use your, your, your mind to, to visualize what the part actually is. But when it's in 3D, you look at it, that's what it is. So it's just much it's much clearer. It's much easier to comprehend.
3: I'm, I'm thinking when I first started to develop products, I was doing uh, 2D drawings, and I would send it over to the factory, and I would be able to get a prototype. Now it seems like the 3D drawings or, or the CAD drawing uh, are required because it seems like that's the, Technology that's being used. What was actually being used before the 2D drawing?
4: There was a lot more thinking involved because basically, when you have 2D drawings, you have to envision what the part looks like, and dimensions are put down basically by using your thoughts. It's like, all right, this part's two inches long, and it's one inch wide, and it's three inches deep, and then and you're just writing it down. You're taking dimensions and you're making them up as you go along. In 3D, you're actually creating that part, and if it doesn't look right on the screen, it's not right. You can just you can just make adjustments. So there's, there's less chance of error. And also a lot of toolpath is done now when they actually machine molds or they machine parts or prototypes. They actually take the 3D data that you, you, that you created and they actually machine the 3D data so they know that they're going to get a good part. So there's a lot less room for error okay. by going with 3D data.
3: Very interesting. I know when I work with, uh, with somebody that does the designing for me and I get a CAD drawing, the 3D drawing, I can't open it. It's not really for me. It's really for the for the factory. But right. what I do is I, I downloaded some e-drawing uh, software that's kind of, I guess, like a free trial or, or some kind of, uh, you know, beginner program. And I'm able to actually see my product and twist it around and flip it in, around. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And I guess, I, you know, from an inventor's point of view, you could see it on here. But most of the time, you'll probably be getting, as uh, inventors will get, like a, – a, PDF or some JPEGs, and then somehow or another we're able to see the, the 3D drawings. Well, no,
4: there's, there's, another, there's another benefit to this. Uh, when it's in 3D, we can take uh, – to simplify it, what people can relate to would be like a screen capture where you actually take a picture of the 3D part on the screen, and a picture is definitely worth a thousand words. A lot of times someone will – you know, I'll be working on a project, and I'll be trying to verbalize over the phone – like a minor change we did to a part, and it's very hard to get across over the phone. But what I'll do is I'll take a couple snapshots of the part, I'll rotate it around the computer, and I'll email the person the JPEG, and then they'll look at the pictures in sequence, sort of like a little animation.
3: Okay, And that they'll sounds be like, oh, great. I
4: get it, I get it, I get it.
3: <laughs> All right. We'll be back with Craig Stucco from E. Winward on Got Invention Radio on wsradio.com, the worldwide leader in internet talk. We'll be back with segment two and a lot more to come.
0: Adley Law Group is an international intellectual property, business law, and litigation firm located in Los Angeles with offices in London, Tokyo, and Taipei. They are your one-stop shop for all your legal needs regarding your IP, including registration, marketing, licensing, and litigation. They will help you protect your intellectual property rights anywhere in the world by obtaining patent protection for your inventions and registering your trademark and copyrights. They can help you achieve your marketing goal for your invention, whether your goal is to produce license, or sell your invention. They can assist you with your business legal needs, including reviewing, drafting, and negotiating contracts, business deals, and licensing agreements anywhere in the world. They are also there to defend your rights. When someone uses your IP work without your authorization or when you're involved in litigation regarding any intellectual property or business matter, visit us online at www.adleylaw.com. That's A-D-L-I-L-A-W.com or call us at 213-623-6546.
1: Do you have an idea or an invention and not sure what to do next? Take the first step and get your copy of the book, You and Your Big Ideas by Brian Fried. From protecting your idea to developing it and bringing your product to market, this handy resource guide is a must-have for every inventor, innovator, and entrepreneur. This book is all about you and your big ideas and bringing them to life. Only $10.95. Order
5: now and also receive your free product evaluation kit with the book. Call now. High cholesterol is a ticking time bomb. Statistically, you or a family member needs to lower their cholesterol today. Besides diet and exercise, the best answer is Carderol, an all-natural dietary supplement that combines nine natural ingredients proven to lower cholesterol levels in just 30 days. Carderol is the complete solution. Visit Carderol.net to learn more and start your risk-free 30-day trial. Carderol is guaranteed to lower your cholesterol or your money back. That's Carderol.net, C-A-R-D-I-O-L.net.
1: Could your business use $10,000 to a half million dollars in cash flow to grow faster? Do you need money for things like purchasing inventory or advertising your business? If you do, call AmeriMerchant. AmeriMerchant offers a variety of working capital programs for your business. While banks have tightened up their criteria to give money to small businesses, AmeriMerchant is providing working capital to all types of businesses every day. They even have special programs that allow your business to purchase inventory or advertise with no money up front. Grow your business today with up to a half million dollars in new cash flow in as little as seven days only from merchant. call us right now for a free quote 800-430-7570 800-430-7570 call us 24 hours a day for a free quote 800-430-7570 800-430-7570
2: Welcome back to Got Invention Radio, presented by Inventors Digest. And now, here's your host, Brian Free.
3: All right, welcome back to segment two of Got Invention Radio. We have our guest, Craig Stuco from Windward uh, Product Development, teaching us about uh, taking a product from your napkin and bringing it to production. And we'll go through that and, uh, and continue. Just like to thank our sponsors, a couple of our sponsors to start with. Venture Pitch 2012. Very interesting, Inventors. If you click on the... Banner on the front of Got Invention and you click on Venture Pitch, you'll see that there's a program with Damon John, star of ABC's hit show uh, Shark Tank. And you can find out information about that for March 15th. We have quickpatents.com, United Inventors Association, UIAusa.org. Thank you for your support. And by the way, inventors, if you go on the front of Got Invention as well and you see the newsletter little area there, put your email address in there if you haven't already. This way, we could keep you posted on upcoming shows. So, thank you again for uh, sponsor support. Okay, Craig. So, we were talking about the planning stage. So now you took our napkin and you're making this 3D drawing from our chicken scratch uh, concept. And once you do that, what's next?
4: Right, that's where you really start thinking. Now, this is where the designing and manufacturability comes in. Uh, early on, you really want to you want to minimize the amount of parts that go into your product, and you want to design them so that downstream it's going to keep your costs as low as possible. And that's from everything from shipping, packaging, the whole work. So you can really do that at the very beginning. And if you have that mindset when you go in, it's going to save you money and time down the road and, and a lot of grief too. Um, figuring out what material you're going to use you know, based on what your needs are, trying to minimize basically your bill of materials, how many components you need to put into this product to get it where you want to go. Because if you rethink things sometimes, it's something that may need 15, 20 components, If you really start working and blending things together, it might only need ten components or eight components. And that's just logistically, it's terrific. Shipping, it's terrific. It's just it benefits you in a million different ways. So thinking about the whole fabrication process and understanding the fabrication process to get into it really is a huge help.
3: Absolutely. By the way, inventors, if you want to give a call and ask Craig a question directly, you could call 888-327-0061. I have a couple phone lines open. You can email me, brian at gotinvention.com, as I see some emails are coming in about prototyping, and we'll answer those in uh, as we get towards that topic. So you can continue to email me, brian at com or call 888-327-0061 and be live on the show. All right, Craig, so yeah. this this whole idea of identifying how many parts, uh, th- it sounds to me like it would make sense. You, you The less parts you have, the less labor... Right, the less that pieces break, and and the less pieces that you have to make, and then also it comes down to the price,
4: yes. right? The price
3: is very important as well.
4: The price is everything because there's going to be some consumer price that that this thing's going to sell at, and the lower that it, the lower the cost to manufacture it, the more that it's going to go into the inventor's pocket.
3: Okay, so, so these are things the that you're thinking about as you're developing a, a product, right. and this right. is what some what is. I know you're kind of acting as a project manager, and it's great that you have all this knowledge from soup to nuts here, but where does an inventor go to find somebody to make specifically a 3- 3D drawing and then talking about doing these, how many parts need to go in? What, what stage does, who does an inventor go to?
4: Okay, well, that's the thing. Depending on, now, a, a lot of inventors love to get to dive into this stuff. And, you, I mean, you can go on the Internet, and if you start typing in plastic materials, information is going to start popping up. And uh, if you start typing in, you know, metals and tensile strength and things like that, the information just starts flying at you. So you can take it as, and you know, and of course you can find out what commercial grades are very important. Like what what materials are like standard materials, what hardware is standard hardware. You always want to get stuff that's that's easy to get and it's accessible to everyone. Because if you start getting into like odd materials and odd shapes and things, um, it, it's just going to make your life difficult, raise prices, and keep things, you know, and make things harder to keep low in cost. Okay. And and even tolerancing, you know. How close of a tolerance you're going to make on these parts? It's you know this is where the, you, you go looking for a mechanical engineer, or depending on what you know what your product is, you, you have to find a specialist in that field that can steer you in the right direction.
3: Okay, this question's coming in of how much a, a CAD drawing, a 3D drawing costs.
4: Oh, okay. The now the way this works is a 3D drawing is is very easy to make on the computer, and actually doing detailed prints is more work. So typically, when I get involved with a customer, I will let them know what it would cost to design a 3D uh, design with, with, very, with like limited 2D prints, with not, with not tons of detailed information. It's just so that they can go out there and get quotes done and things like that. Because pro- the, pro- the, pro- the product is new, so it might change as you're moving along. So there's no point in paying someone to do heavily detailed prints where everything's dimensioned to the, to, the, to the decimal place. It's not necessary up front. So what you do is you do it in 3D. Uh, let's say someone's got, I don't know, something shaped like a coffee cup. You know, you, I could not, I'd have to charge like a minimum charge because to create a cup in 3D takes maybe about seven minutes with anyone who's any good with doing CAD work. So maybe you get charge $150, and then they throw in another 100 to throw in a print. So for $250, dollars you got a print in your hand for one part, and then you take it from there. If you have an electronic razor, you know, then it's, you know, you're talking thousands of dollars.
3: What, what does a print mean?
4: A 2D print is basically it's a piece of paper with, with a top view, a side view. And maybe an angular view with enough views to show the overall shape and the dimensions, so that they can use it for patent purposes or to send out to get quotes done.
3: Okay, so it's almost like a little prototype.
4: Yeah, but it's a, it's a little drawing. It's just it's done in 3D on the. Well, you had mentioned before, Brian, about how the 3D data can't be opened by by most people unless they have a CAD system.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: It's created in 3D, but I use that 3D in order to create the 2D print that the customer can use to. Um, Typically, it's to, to, to go for a patent or to, uh, to start getting pricing. Okay.
3: All right. Well, that's very interesting. So this this thing is made out when it's printing. When you're saying it's printing, so it's made out of paper. Then this
4: 3D. Oh oh image? Now you're to, oh! You're talking about an actual 3D. I, I apologize. You're talking about an actual 3D prototype.
3: Well, I, yeah. I'm not sure. You said we get a printout for let's say another hundred dollars. I'm wondering
4: what. Oh that, no! Now I, I apologize. What we're discussing now is actually getting 3D models printed. So in that case, you don't even need a print. What's done is we just create the 3D model on the computer. Let's say it's a coffee cup, mm-hmm. and that, that's it's, it's only a couple minutes' work. And then that is converted into a, an STL file. That's a standard 3D file that all prototype shops can take. And that file gets emailed to them, and then they will grow that cup. in a, It's a 3D printer, basically, where they'll grow that cup using a bunch of different methods, depending on you know if you need it to be functional, if you need it to look nice. There's all different materials. We can get into that if you'd like. Yeah. Uh, That's what I'd
3: like to – let's do that, and then we'll talk about the different machines of of how they spit it out. So, Craig, I have this idea. I'm not sure if it should be plastic, metal, wood, whatever. You need to identify that, so somebody will help us to do that. And then there's different types of plastics and metals and wood, so maybe you can get into that.
4: Sure. Okay, with prototyping – any. There's a couple ways to go. Uh, There's there's really like three ways. They they either fabricate it right out of materials, where they'll buy bar stock, or if it's made out of wood, they'll buy wood and they'll shave it to make it what you want. Or if it's metal, they'll just drill it, mill it, and turn it, and they do what they need to do in standard machining practices. And if it's it's an orthogonal shape, which is basically an extruded shape, uh, a lot of times it's easier just to buy sheet stock and then just machine it to, to get a prototype. Out of pretty much any material you want, most plastics and metals come in sheet form or in extruded form. So you can just machine it. The next step is if the part has maybe a, like an outer shape to it, you might want to have it um, printed three-dimensionally. And where they do that, if you're not looking for, for strength so much, you can go right with a 3D prototype where they actually take this STL file that we created for the customer and they put it in a 3D printer. And there's a, some have like a liquid polymer that UV light converts into a solid and it's built in sections. Other ones do a sintered, sintering process where they take powder and then they use lasers to heat the powder and turn it into a solid so they can create a cup that way. And it, it, there's a myriad of ways. And they actually have printers now that actually lay down material, and they just keep building it up. And they have support structures on them which can be taken off a lot of different ways. Uh, some, some systems use, like, ultrasonic vibration in water, and it makes the support system dissolve, so you're left with just this coffee cup. And uh, that would be the second step. And then if you need something that has real strength, you may want to go the next step. And you'll have a 3-D prototype made. And then you'll go to a, a prototype shop, and they'll take it, and they'll pour a rubber mold over that model, and then they'll, they'll cut the rubber mold in half, and then they'll fill it with a tougher urethane material, which is a pourable material that cures with heat. And then over time, they'll, they can grow a part that way. And then you get a part that's very functional and looks almost exactly like what a production part would be, but it wouldn't quite have the strength of an actual, like, injection molded part.
3: Okay. It's a good thing I leave this to somebody like you cuz <laughs> th- there's all these different things you just basically tell somebody like you what what you want and hopefully uh you know it it comes out what you're expecting but it's great that we understand now the different ways and different methods that there are uh to actually making something like this.
4: Right and those are the three biggest but there's there's a there's a myriad of others but that's where like talking to a Someone like me would be very helpful because, hey, listen, you're going to use this method. This to be the lowest cost. It will be the quickest. That's the way to go kind of thing. Good.
3: Well, that's very interesting. Now, I want to start to get into – we have about a minute and change left to this segment. I want to start getting into identifying plastics because when I first started with my inventions, uh, I didn't know the difference between all these plastics and the rubbers and all this stuff that was out there. So polypropylene and ABS were getting thrown at me. One was cheaper than the other. I wasn't sure. So maybe we could just start off quickly uh, about uh, talking about some of the plastics.
4: Oh, absolutely! Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head with the materials. The two you want to work with, what are called, if, if at all possible, you want to work with commercial grade plastics, which means they're readily available, they're cheap, and they work well. And the two top ones are polypropylene and ABS. Polypropylene now goes for I think about a, like a buck thirty a pound, and ABS, which is um, is about two dollars and ten cents a pound. So it, uh, it, of course an ABS is a little bit better material, but uh, polypropylene. Um, it doesn't absorb water. It's, it has um, grades that are approved for going in contact with food. And um, polypropylene has some flexibility, so it can be used for a lot of unique things like um, uh, living hinges. Like, you know, these shampoo bottles have that one cap that screws on, and it pops open and closed, and there's like this little lip along the edge that yep. it, that's called a living hinge. Mm-hmm. Polypropylene is great for that. But polypropylene is a softer material, so it's not as it's stable as a, like an ABS would be. So if you have a bigger part that maybe has a flat section, it needs to be a little not warped it needs to keep its shape then abs would probably be the next step up and a lot of the products that you see like in um, um major stores that sell parts for like kitchens and bathrooms a lot of those materials are ABSs. and they work fine they can snap together they can have hinges they're, they're good materials
3: okay ab uh, polypropylene is, is people usually refer to it as pp and yep. abs i don't know what that stands for but um abs plastic i guess people say right
4: Oh, I, I apologize. It's a subtle – oh, it's, it's got a really long name.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I, like I haven't heard anything. Mean, I believe. Polypropylene, I've heard, but there's also ABS. All right. We'll be back with Craig Stucco from e. Winward LLC, and we're going to find out more about prototyping and tooling and molding and all these different things that we need to know as inventors when we have an idea. So we'll be back with Craig on Got Invention Radio on wsradio.com. We'll be back in a moment.
1: you're a business owner like me whether you own a small shop or a large corporation when it comes to building a new facility you know it the process can be overwhelming and if you're concerned about getting the building you need on a limited budget you call anthem steel for a pre-engineered steel building look around and you'll see that more and more businesses churches and schools are using steel buildings to save time and money For as little as $20,000, you can buy a 40-by-60-foot building from Anthem Steel. Anthem Steel has a high-quality solution for almost any size building you need. Churches, schools, or gymnasiums. So call us right now for a free quote. 800-603-9978. That's 800-603-9978. Even for manufacturing, warehousing, or retail buildings, you know it. You can call Anthem Steel right now for a free quote. 800-603-9978. That's
2: 800-603-9978. When did men lose their way? Was it Hollywood portraying us as wimps? Is it the daytime serials where we're on our hands and knees begging for affection from women? Is it all the talk shows telling us women want a sensitive guy or a macho man? Well, guy, how does it feel to spend $200 on a couple of dates and never hear from the girl again? Doc loves the system can change all that. 35-plus years of Doc loves life has been devoted to a simple question posed to over 10,000 women. Why do you choose to stay with one guy versus another? Doc Loves the System is a realistic approach to dating written just for men. Visit DocLove.com today. That's DocLove.com today for more about the system. It's time to reclaim your manhood. DocLove.com. The system will change your life.
6: We all need to work on a healthier lifestyle. The stresses of the day take their toll. And if we lack a healthy plan and activities, it's even harder to be fit. To make it easier for you to maintain a healthy lifestyle and reach fitness goals, Better Bodies by Chemistry and the Gina Alioti Fitness Network have joined together to work for you. Better Bodies by Chemistry is here to provide vitamins and supplements to support and improve your health at a great value. And Gina Alioti's Fitness Network provides the tools and a fitness environment where women can inspire each other to reach goals. With their help, you can achieve a healthy lifestyle that is realistic no matter what your life encompasses. Joining the Gina Alioti Fitness Network assures that you will never be alone in your fitness journey. And with Better Bodies by Chemistry's products, you are assured of the finest quality at a great price. Learn more at GinaAlioti.com and BetterBodiesByChemistry.com. That's GinaAlioti.com and BetterBodiesByChemistry.com.
2: Welcome back to Got Invention Radio, presented by Inventors Digest. And now, here's your host, Brian Free.
3: Welcome back to Segment 3 of Got Invention Radio. A lot more to cover. We have uh, a few more sponsors we'd like to uh, thank. Of course, Inventors Digest Magazine. You could go to inventorsdigest.com. By the way, if you go on the banner of Got Invention Radio and you see the Inventors Digest banner, if you click on there and you subscribe to the magazine, you'll receive 33% off the cover price. Thank you to Carter, DeLuca, Farrell, and Schmidt, china Chinatowest.com, and Patent Strategies. Thank you, everybody, for your support. All right, Craig. So yep. we started talking about polypropylene and ABS. Are there any other plastics that we need to go over?
4: Uh, yeah, and just to jump back real quick, it's acrylonitrile butadiene styrene, which is why everyone calls it ABS. <laughs> but uh, right. no, those are commercial grades, which, which keeps the price down. The next step up is you get into engineering-grade materials. And uh, there's two, two out there that are predominant. They're acetyl and nylon. Now, acetyl is, is, is like I mentioned, engineering-grade. It costs more. It's about $2.40 a pound, just to give you a frame of reference. And it's, uh, but it's good for things like if you need a spring. This, this is a plastic that actually has memory. So you can and rather than buying a separate metal spring, you may be able to incorporate part of a housing that you're building to have a spring actually just built right into it because it's made out of a material that has a spring effect. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, acetyl is also self-lubricated, which means if you want to use it for a bushing, it's, uh, you don't need to oil it because it's a self lubricous material, which is very handy. And then if you, let's say you have outdoor applications where you need something really tough, then you might want to go with a nylon, which uh, it does absorb water, so it's not good for, the food, for food packaging and things like that. But for anything to do with garden hoses or anything like that, nylon is a very good material, and that's about $2.50 a pound. So you can see as you get better materials, the price starts to go up. Okay.
3: There's a question coming in. What's a product that uses ABS so they understand the difference?
4: Um, let's. Uh, uh, what would be a good example? A cover for, like, tissues in your bathroom, like the, a plastic box that goes over the top of the tissue box. That would be a simple example of, a, of an ABS part.
3: Okay. And if you use polypropylene to make that, what, what would happen to it?
4: Um, polypropylene, it, it's a little bit softer. So if, it, if it's open on one side like that plus it's open on the top, it would make it kind of weak, so it might be kind of springy. So ABS would be a little stiffer. It would be a better application for that.
3: Okay. And what about colors?
4: Colors. Now, polypropylene and ABS, oh, this is important. Uh, This is something that doesn't get mentioned very often. Uh, Materials come in black and natural. And natural plastics are typically like an off-white or a tannish color, and those are the lowest cost. You can get plastics in just about any color, but uh, as you start to go with various colors, the price of the material does go up. But they can all be dyed pretty much just about any, any color you'd like.
3: Okay, and does that affect the quality of the uh, of the plastic? And uh, you know, if something is made out of polypropylene and colored, and we're eating from it or microwaving?
4: Yeah, no, everything has to be. There's FDA grades for everything, so there'll be an FDA grade polypropylene, and there'll also be an FDA grade dye that would go with it. So, okay. so that's that's specific to the product.
3: Okay, are there any other
4: plastics to go over? Yeah, well, we discussed products that right the four that we mentioned so far: um, polypropylene, ABS, acetal, and nylon. They're all um, they're all colored materials because they, they, you can't get them in clear. And sometimes you'll need a window, and of course plastic is cheaper than glass. So there's two ways to go with that. You have um, a styrene, which is a which is a low cost commercial grade of plastic, which is clear, and it's about a buck thirty a pound. It's a little bit brittle, so it's not the best for all applications. But for things like if you have a window on your or something you need to see through something, and it's not going to really get hit very often, styrene is fine. If you want to go with something stronger. Then you go up to an engineering grade plastic like uh, acrylic, which is basically plastic, plexiglass. And that has a very, you can buy versions that have very good optical clarity. And um, it, it's flexible. It's got some strength. You can use it for a lot of different things. It could have snap features on it. Uh, but that is about $2.60 a pound. So you can see where that's about double the cost of what it would cost to get some styrene. So you have options there, too. So you can go with colored parts as well as clear parts and plastic.
3: Very interesting. Inventors, this is a show that you need to save. Uh, it gets archived, and you save it. This way, when you're ready to take your invention to uh, a product designer or you take it to a place to get your prototype made or production, these are the things that you need to know. And this is what I spent so much time researching in the beginning, but now we have Craig to go over it and make our lives a lot easier. So keep uh, keep going. Uh, Any other plastics? Are we maybe going to the metal?
4: Well, real quick with the plastics, uh, we covered most of the basics, uh, but there are two or three things that are important. Uh, A UV rating. All plastics will degrade in the sun. So you need to if you have anything that's going to be outdoors, you need to check into UV rating when you're talking to your supplier because they might not take a concern as much as you would about your red part becoming like kind of orangish over time, so that's something to take into account and if you have anything that's going to have electronics in it, then you need to have an f r rating, which is a flame retardance requirement, so you got to make sure you don't you know the thing can't go on fire when you know when it's out there in the field kind of deal
3: right and then uh, you claim dishwasher safe and you have to have certain grades that are able to cover dishwasher safe or.
4: Yep, polypropylene is great for that. You've got to be careful with that, too. And uh, polypropylene is also microwavable. So that, that's something you want to check into, too, because that's something you have to tell your, you, know, the, the manufacturer, because if they don't know that, they, that, that, you don't want that to come up later.
3: Okay. There's a question that came in. Can CAD drawings and prototypes be created off an existing product? For example, if I supplied a soda bottle, could they create a CAD file for the cap?
4: Um, yeah, they, well, there's two ways to go. They can... Something's really funky, maybe some artwork or a sculpture, it can be scanned, but typically it's just reverse-engineered where I'll take the part or, or someone in this industry and they'll just take measurements off of it and they'll recreate it on the computer.
3: Okay. Okay, thanks. Um, what, okay, so what about uh, metal?
4: Oh, metal, okay. this is Now, with metals, there's, there's a million metals out there, but here again you always want to stay with commercial materials that manufacturers like to work with because if manufacturers like to work with it, it's going to save you a bunch of money. Uh, aluminum is, is the biggie. Uh, in, unless you need the strength of steel, aluminum is the way to go. Uh, a typical aluminum that works just fine for most applications would be like a 60, 61-grade 60, um, aluminum. It's, it's commercial-grade. It's about $2.25 a pound. And uh, But what's great about is aluminum is it comes in extruded shapes. It comes in sheet form. It, it's very easy to get. And A lot of times, half the work is done because it comes in so many shapes and sizes. Also, manufacturers like to work with aluminum because it has a... Um, a resell rate. They can sell the scrap back and make a few bucks on the scrap. So some materials, once you buy them, you kind of stuck with them. So aluminum is a great go- way to go with that. Okay. Um, then if you need now, but the one thing with aluminum is it, 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 it suffers from fatigue, which means if you put aluminum under load for any extended time, it will start to crack. So that's when you start, or if you need the strength, then you need to start to go to steel. Another good thing to remember is aluminum is about one-third the weight of steel. So if you're going to be shipping your product, uh, weight's definitely an issue. So aluminum, if you can go with aluminum, definitely do it. Okay. Okay, after aluminum, then you go to steel, and there's a couple of different kinds of steel. The preferred steel is a cold-rolled steel. They come in 1018 and 1020. Medium carbon steels are excellent commercial grades. They're about $1.25 a pound uh, to purchase, and they keep clean edges when you cut them. There's no scale on the metal. Some metals have a scale, and unless you're doing, like, framing on the inside of something where it doesn't matter for your product, if it's going to be exposed and people are going to see it, you can't have scale on your parts. So cold-rolled steels come without any scale. But of course, they're a dollar and a quarter a pound. The next option after that would be like a hot rolled steel. An A36 is a common commercial grade of a hot rolled steel. It's about half the price of cold rolled. Uh, it has a lower tensile strength. It'll fatigue easier than cold rolled, and it has scale which may need to be removed. So you'll save 50% on the on the material cost, but then you will lose some of the strength. So you've got aluminum, hot rolled, and then cold rolled. So cold rolled is predominant. And then of course, uh, steels are all magnetic unless you want to go to stainless steel. So stainless steel, I mean, the food industry, you don't want oxidation. So stainless steel is a non-oxidizing metal, So if and it's non-magnetic. So 303 and 304 are good grades to go with stainless steel. Okay. Uh, very, Again,
3: th- this is something that I'm not going to be shopping for, these type of metals and so forth, but it's good for us to, to know.
4: Yeah, um, a little bit of a handle, because the, the prices on these materials vary greatly. So if, if you don't know about it, it's it's you know it, it can really it can cost you later if you're thinking it's going to be made out of cold rolled steel and it's going to be made out of stainless you, your price is going to jump
3: right also, and that the, and, and that could be the factor that actually bids you out of uh, any type of retail opportunity
4: right 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 yeah you you, you kind of really need to know this stuff kind of early on and speaking to someone like in my industry we can definitely help you with it but a lot of the stuff you can check up on your own if you go on the internet and just type and this information will come right up
3: okay all right let's let's uh, talk about uh, wood
4: oh okay. Now, depending on the product, sometimes wood is fine. Wood is easy to get, it's easy to machine, and it's uh, the only thing is it is organic material, so it can degrade over time. So, if it's something that's purely artistic or or a piece of framing, um, it, it's it's a good material. But if you got something that you know that needs consistent strength, wood is wood is not consistent. It varies from part to part.
3: Okay, All right. that's uh, easy enough. Now, the trick question is. What if there's a combination of plastic and metal or wood and metal or, you know, having some electronics, which you mentioned before? What do you do then?
4: Oh, that's when it gets fun. That's uh, <laughs> that's, that's that's when it gets interesting. You do have to blend things very often. And you only want to use exotic materials, let's say, to the extent that you have to have them. If something has to be made out of metal, then you, you make it out of metal. But if everything else can be made out of plastic, make it out of plastic because it, it's going to save you a bunch of money. So, um it gets interesting, but uh, well, that's wh- that's where the the designer comes in. That you know, the inventor can have a great idea, and it's like, all right, well, how can we fabricate this? And, that, and that's it's like, all right, you're going to make this part out of metal, and this part can be a snap-on plastic cover, and then we need a piece of glass here or a piece of cloth there. It, it, it it's all the same. It's just it's just you're just adding one more one more step to what you're working on.
3: Right, and when you start to mix them up, also there's there's probably an increase in cost factor. Also, it's not coming out of one machine.
4: Right, if you have might that's a very good point. If, if, if one piece needs to be metal, if you can make everything else out of plastic, that would be great. But if, if it can't be, it can't be. But uh, the only time a designer would recommend something be different is, like we said, if, it, if, it needs to, if you need that extra strength or whatever. Okay. But having multiple suppliers is not a good thing either. You'd really like to have everything under one roof if you
3: can. Right. And then when you're doing multiple suppliers also, you, you're bringing it from one shop to another shop, and then somebody has to some kind of labor to put them together and –
4: Yep, and, and, if, and this is a big problem that you see in all industries is if something doesn't work, there's a lot of finger pointing. You know, the metal guy says the plastic guy, and the plastic guy says the metal guy. And if you can avoid that, it, it, that's why it's always good to have one person kind of managing the project because then you can point your finger at him.
3: <laughs> I understand. <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. And then different pieces and components, some may be out of metal and plastic, and they have to fit right, and I, I guess they have to be sealed.
4: Some things need to be sealed, and there's a bunch of ways to go with that, too. And here's where thinking outside the box can be important, because, you know, typically you think, all right, I'm going to get a gasket, and we'll get some gasket seal, and sometimes you don't need that. A lot of times plastic parts can be ultrasonically welded together where they're self-sealing, so you don't even need that. So the more you you get involved with it, the better. And if you keep an open mind, there's there's a million options on how to make things happen.
3: Okay. Well, you're going to tell us much more. We're going to talk about prototyping machines and tooling and molding and pre-production and packaging, a little bit more to go. We have one more segment on Got Invention Radio. Stand by for a segment four
5: with Greg Stuco from e. Windward cholesterol is a ticking time bomb. Statistically, you or a family member needs to lower their cholesterol today. Besides diet and exercise, the best answer is Carderol, an all-natural dietary supplement that combines nine natural ingredients proven to lower cholesterol levels in just 30 days. Carderol is the complete solution. Visit Carderol.net to learn more and start your risk-free 30-day trial. Cardiol is guaranteed to lower your cholesterol or your money back. That's Carderol.net, C-A-R-D-I-O-L.net, C-A-R-D-I-O-L.net. Okay, you admit
7: to yourself that you have a huge credit card problem. However you got there, you've racked up $10,000, $20,000, or more in debt, and it mounts up daily, right? I don't need to tell you what your credit card statements look like, but I'm here to give you some help. All you need to do is make one quick, no-obligation call to the Debt Solutions Network, and one of our partner companies will help you with proven strategies to help you get out of debt. They can reduce your debt, in some cases up to 50%, and help stop the collection calls. If you're buried in credit card debt, call the Debt Solutions Networks now and learn for free how they can help you get out of debt for much less than you owe. Here's the number, 800-814-5188.
1: 800-814-5188. Learn how you can get out of credit card debt now. Call now for a free debt analysis. 800-814-5188.
0: 800-814-5188. Adley Law Group is an international intellectual property, business law, and litigation firm located in Los Angeles with offices in London, Tokyo, and Taipei. They are your one-stop shop for all your legal needs regarding your IP, including registration, marketing, licensing, and litigation. They will help you protect your intellectual property rights anywhere in the world by obtaining patent protection for your inventions and registering your trademark and copyrights. They can help you achieve your marketing goal for your invention, whether your goal is to produce, license, or sell your invention. They can assist you with your business legal needs, including reviewing, drafting, and negotiating contracts, business deals, and licensing agreements anywhere in the world. They are also there to defend your rights. When someone uses your IP work without your authorization or when you are involved in litigation regarding any intellectual property or business matter, visit us online at www.adlilaw.com. That's A-D-L-I-L-A-W.com or call us at 213-623-6546.
5: Save your cash while increasing your sales. Every business knows cash is king. Quit paying out your cash while maintaining all the services you need. At the same time, increase sales with new customers. Sound too good to be true? It's not. WS Radio has done it using traditional business practices. We will even give you $250 in services just to give it a try. Log on to wsradio.com forward slash barter. That's wsradio.com forward slash barter.
2: Welcome back to God Invention Radio, presented by Inventors Digest. And now, here's your host, Brian Free.
3: All right, final segment with Craig Stucco from E. Windward, LLC. He's a product development uh, guy. He's worked with uh, different prototyping houses uh, in the past, and he's done work for some major companies, and he's sharing his knowledge with us tonight about when you have your idea on that napkin and you want to bring it to a point where you can get uh, some production going. So thank you for giving us your knowledge tonight, Craig. Oh, certainly. So let's see how much more we can get in here. I want to talk about uh, prototyping. So now we finished the materials and we got to the wood and the combinations, so prototyping. Now we identified the material. We want to get a prototype, and this is something that inventors at this point make a decision. You take your prototype, are you going to license it where somebody else is going to take care of everything and you don't have to worry about all this different ABSs and polypropylenes and all that kind of stuff and different grades of metal? You give it to somebody, you license, and you collect a royalty, um, or do you manufacture it, or do you do both? So manufacturing, basically, you're looking to go into your own business uh, and, and get produ- get the production going and getting distribution and so forth. Listen, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but you have those type of options. So, most likely, an inventor is going to bring their product up to a point where they're going to need a prototype. So, we, what do we do now, Craig?
4: Oh, okay. Now this is now. So, basically, you start out, you you create it in 3D on 3D CAD system, so it'll, it exists electronically, and then you make up some 2D prints to basically show the overall size and scope of it, and then you can get a pricing to do uh, prototyping. Now, if it's going to be fabricated by hand. Uh, the the prototyper is going to need like if it's a sheet of metal that needs to have some holes put in and things like that then the the prototyper is going to need a two D print giving dimensions and sizes. If it's going to be three uh, D printed if it's a, if it's a housing or something shaped like a car or a boat or something like that it would be it needs to be three D printed and here you need the three D CAD data also where it would go to a prototyper and they would actually grow it in a three D printing machine of, of some types. There's, there's tons of them.
3: Okay, so there's different machines, right? There's yes. 3D machine printers and and something called CNC I always hear,
4: right? Yep. What what are yep. those? Yeah, CNC is computerized numeric control, and that's where you, let's say you have a metal part that's that's shaped like a like a doorknob, and what you can do is you find a, a CNC shop, and they have a, standard milling machines, which is basically end mills turn and they cut metal away, or they actually turn the part and they put a cutter against it to make any round shapes that they want. So if you have a doorknob part, it would have to be turned on a on a turning machine or lathe as most people would call it. And, uh, and you, they make a little CNC program that goes in there and zoom, 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 and it cuts away the part using the 3D CAD data that you'd sent them. So that's, that's very handy. And you could also send them a 2D print, and then they, they'd write a program based on the data from the 2D print. Okay. Uh, so, so you can cut it, and then on an, with a milling machine, they can mill pockets. They can you know, basically cut any shape you want. They can fabricate it. So that would be CNC. But then when you go to uh, SLA would be prototypes. Uh, that's a stereolithography model. And there's a couple of different ways to go with that. Uh, some of them are just strictly for you know the lower cost ones are so you can just get a feel for it you can see it they don't have Is that
3: any... rapid rapid prototyping Rap-
4: well rapid prototyping now too there's, it, it used to be one or two things but now they're talking about a lot of different materials so you can actually get rapid prototypes now printed in, in plastics that are like molded plastics they're not as strong because they're done in layers but you can get pretty close so you have that option too but it, it wouldn't be a solid part
3: it okay would, you know
4: it's, it's done in layers
3: it seems like these days the uh, opportunity to make a prototype inexpensively is uh, there, so you just need to know.
4: It's very easy. If, if you can get some 3D data, you're good to go. It's
3: okay. Good. Yep. Super. Tell us a little bit about uh, what the difference between tooling and molding is.
4: Okay. Um, sometimes the words are used interchangeably, but tooling would be, be more referring to like fixturing. So if you if you are going to actually fabricate your part because it needs to be, let's say, made out of steel And you can cast metals, but let's say it's a part that has a lot of drilled holes and tapped holes and threaded holes and things like that. Then you might want to actually fabricate it where the supplier will actually, in a CNC shop, he will actually create fixtures that will hold your part as it goes through the process of having different operations done to it. So that would be fixturing and tooling charges. And then molding, that's where you actually melt, you know, you melt plastic and you pour it into a cavity and that creates the part that you want. And that's actually a very fast process. So if you're looking for higher volumes, molding is the way to go because you know the mold sits in a press. It gets in you have the basically the shape of your part is air between two pieces of metal. So when the two pieces of metal close, the air gap that's left that's going to get filled with plastic to create your part. So when that so the plastic is melted, it gets pumped into the mold. It cools after maybe 30 seconds, 40 seconds depending on the material. The mold pops open, your part falls out. Sometimes complete. Whereas with fabricating and tooling, you know, it takes a while. You have to cut away and cut away and cut away. Here, again, things like aluminum are great because they cut at one-third at three times the speed of like a stainless steel might cut. So here, again, all these things kind of mix together.
3: Very interesting. And tooling, everybody hears how expensive it is. Maybe you can tell us why it's so expensive quickly and also what the difference is between U.S. and overseas because I hear a lot of people are doing their tooling overseas.
4: Okay, well, real quick, just to give you a... a Frame of reference, uh, a mold, um, an injection mold done in the States uh, in aluminum would be, uh, you can get a steel mold done in China for about 80% of what it would cost to have an aluminum mold done here.
3: Wow.
4: Uh, so, so there is a savings there. And that, now with tooling and fixturing, uh, your part is unique. Uh, that's the reason that it's being custom made. So fixtures have to be built specifically to hold your part as it's being machined during the machining process to create it. So it's, it's a little involved. It takes, someone has to, A manager has to sit down and figure out the steps that it needs to take. It yeah. might be five, six operations, you know, and it might be five or six different pictures.
3: And and uh, I see them. They're, they're very, very heavy, and uh, there's all different types. There's ones that could be made cheaply for a short uh, period of time that it lasts and some real powerful ones, right?
4: Yes. Yeah, this is where you've got to be careful, too. Now, you can get aluminum mold made, um, and it's... And what it does is but it'll wear quickly because the material's not that strong. And then you can go with a pre-hardened steel mold. Like a, You'll hear the word P-20 very often in this industry. And that material is not as hard as a fully hardened steel mold, but it'll get you, let's say, 300,000 shots out of a mold, whereas a fully hardened mold might get you a million shots out of a mold, which means you know another 700,000 parts before you've got to buy a new mold. Wow. so these are things to keep in mind, yep,
3: okay, sounds good. And as far as the pre-production samples, you take those samples and now you have those, and that, those are the times to inspect it and send them to your buyers and so forth. There's also certifications we're running out of time, so I, I just with with any materials that you use, uh, comes certifications of materials most likely that the vendors that you you sell to are probably going to want to ask.
4: Yes, you Uh, definitely. Yeah, the the person who manufactures your parts, if you request certification of material, they should supply it to you, and that way you're covered because, God forbid, down the road there's any kind of a problem with your product. You can say, listen, these are the certs for my materials. This is what I purchased, and this is what this material is capable of doing.
3: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, as far as packaging and shelf space, very quickly, if you can make a point on
4: that. Yes. Things need to be small, stackable, collapsible. Shipping and weight are very important, and shelf space is critical. You know, if you're not, you know, all the big stores, if they're not making, let's say, $30 per square foot on a shelf, your product's going to get bounced. So you want to have a product that's small, fits nice. It has a hook at the top, so if they need to put it on a pin, it can go on a pin. You know, these are things you've got to think about quickly, and the smaller the space it takes up when it's sitting, the cheaper it is to ship, and the more that you can fit on a square foot. So it, it just makes sense.
3: Well, it sounds to me all the way from the fine, forget about the CAD drawing, you have that, but between identifying which materials and and the tooling and the molding and and the way the assembly is and the different components and all the way up to the packaging, it seems like that really determines what the cost is. And if it's too much, then you're going to outdo yourself, you're going to overprice yourself in the market. And if it's in range, then obviously that's where your profit is.
4: Yeah, and you know, if only one in a thousand make it, let's make it two in a thousand because your product's a low enough price where boom, you're gonna you're gonna meet you're gonna meet what the, the price needs to be.
3: Very very interesting. Could make a big difference just a one tweak of uh, of material. Yeah, absolutely. So Craig, this was great. Really 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 appreciate uh, having you on our show, and this was oh, fantastic you. information. I know you work with a lot of inventors out there. What what can you tell us? We're, we're at all different stages. Give us some final words of wisdom.
4: Oh, the, the most important thing I tell everybody: just keep an open mind. Just keep an open mind, and I always say everything is good because when you know you, you you're, you're stuck somewhere, you scratch your head, you talk to a few people, and you're thinking wood, and some guy's got some plastic part that'll just work perfect for you. you. You talk to people and you just persevere, and then all of a sudden you're done. You know, it's just you, most people at ninety-five percent when they give up. You just keep bugging away. I do it all the time.
3: <laughs> well, that's fantastic. All right, Craig Stucco. His web address is e dot com Is that right? Yep, yep. Okay, and uh, you seem like a pretty knowledgeable guy. Uh, really appreciate, uh, again, giving us all this information. So thanks. Uh, thank you, Craig Stuco. Oh, thank you. It was a
4: pleasure. It was a pleasure, Brian.
3: <laughs> Fantastic. So, by the way, inventors, a lot of uh, fun guests coming up. Take a look at the upcoming guest list on Got Invention Radio. We're booked for quite a while and uh, have some great resources and great experts. Thank you everybody for joining us again. Craig, thank you again. Have a great night from Got Invention Radio. Till next week.
0: Law Group is an international intellectual property, business law, and litigation firm located in Los Angeles with offices in London, Tokyo, and Taipei. They are your one-stop shop for all your legal needs regarding your IP, including registration, marketing, licensing, and litigation. They will help you protect your intellectual property rights anywhere in the world by obtaining patent protection for your inventions and registering your trademark and copyrights. They can help you achieve your marketing goal for your invention, whether your goal is to produce, license, or sell your invention. They can assist you with your business legal needs, including reviewing, drafting, and negotiating contracts, business deals, and licensing agreements anywhere in the world. They are also there to defend your rights. When someone uses your IP work without your authorization or when you're involved in litigation regarding any intellectual property or business matter, visit us online at www.adlilaw.com. That's A-D-L-I-L-A-W.com or call us at 213-623-6546.
7: Okay, you admit to yourself that you have a huge credit card problem. However you got there, you've racked up $10,000, $20,000 or more in debt, and it mounts up daily, right? I don't need to tell you what your credit card statements look like, but I'm here to give you some help. All you need to do is make one quick, no-obligation call to the Debt Solutions Network, and one of our partner companies will help you with proven strategies to help you get out of debt. They can reduce your debt, in some cases up to 50%, and help stop the collection calls. If you're buried in credit card debt, call the Debt Solutions Networks now and learn for free how they can help you get out of debt for much less than you owe. Here's the number. 800-814-5188.
1: 800-814-5188. Learn how you can get out of credit card debt now. Call now for a free debt analysis. 800-814-5188. 800-814-5188. I have some good news for a change. With the stressful times upon us, having a regular glass of wine has proved in many studies to reduce stress. Want some more stress-relieving tips? Membership is free, so reduce some of the stress and have some fun. Join now and connect with thousands of other like-minded wine lovers. To learn more, go to vinvillage.com. That's www.vinvillage.com. Vin Village is where wine lovers connect.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?